Welcome to Zen for Everyday Life with Matt Valentine, episode number five. Welcome, everyone, to this special space that we have together. This week, we are going to be talking about how mindfulness can help us deal with life's many great challenges. And I'm going to cover, there's really three major subpoints that I'm going to cover this week. And they're really major overarching challenges that, that so many of us go through that just about all of us go through uh, each and every one of these. Uh, and I'm going to cover not just how mindfulness helps us in a general sense, but specifically how mindfulness, how a, a everyday mindfulness practice can help us work through each of these challenges individually. There's really different ways that, that mindfulness can, can help us with each of these major challenges. And these are really great challenges that we go through. None of these three are really small challenges. So I think you're going to find a lot of value from this episode. And at the end of the episode, I'm also going to cover a really cool guided meditation that is really, it's, it's a moment-to-moment mindfulness meditation that you can use within your everyday life to sort of un- unlock that intuitive, virtuous wisdom that exists within each and every one of us. So I think you're going to get a lot from that and it will... Uh, it perfectly pairs with the topic today, which is why I wanted to cover it. So I'm really excited to be talking about that today as well. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I wanted to mention to you to check out uh, audible.com. It's uh, the link that's special to the Zen for Everyday Life, a podcast, and Buddha community is audibletrial.com slash Zen for Everyday Life. Uh, you can get a free audiobook download as well as a 30-day free trial. If you go to that link, again, audibletrial.com slash zen for everyday life, they have over 180,000 titles to choose from, including many of my all-time favorites, such as Thich Nhat Hanh's The Miracle of Mindfulness and Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Shunryu Suzuki. Uh, it's all available on any of the different devices that you use. And uh, if you follow me for some time, you know that I have a love for audiobooks. And Audible is where I have always gotten all of my audiobooks. So uh, getting back to today's episode, we're going to cover three major subpoints, And then I'm going to go into the guided meditation to finish up. So let's jump right into it. There's three major subpoints that I want to cover today with regards to how mindfulness can help us deal with life's challenges. And I'm talking about really the everyday challenges that we go through. There are certain things that we go through on an irregular basis that mindfulness can be very uh, useful for as well. But really what I'm talking about are three things here that we deal with on a very regular basis. And number one is lack. That's the general term that I'm using for it. And, but I put within uh, uh, parentheses money. And the reason for that is that's the major, the major feeling of lack. That's the major area where that feeling of lack comes from. And I'm going to delve into each one of these points in a more detail in a second. But number two is relationships. How mindfulness can help us deal with certain relationship challenges. That is obviously huge. And I'm not just talking about intimate relationships. I'm talking about all kinds of relationships. So the feeling of lack. Money is a huge part of, you know, unless you're actually a monk in a monastery. And, you know, I don't know what likely it is that you listen to podcasts. Then otherwise you have to make money or you depend on uh, money in, in some regard. And so it's a big part of uh, your life and relationships are a big part of all of our lives. It's just being human. Uh, that's uh, that's a given. And then number three is self-worth, specifically a lack of self-worth. And uh, I'll talk about a little bit why that's so universal, but that is a very universal 
uh, challenge that we each go through. And there's different ways that that can manifest, but that's something that so many of us go through. And again, I'm going to go through in each of these in a little bit more detail. And then we're going to finish with a guided meditation. So first, lack. And again, specifically here, I'm going to focus in on the issue of money or not enough money or just money troubles in general. Okay. This is a huge one for so many people. Now, this is something that for me in the past has been very paralyzing. Uh, For those of you who have read uh, my second book, my first full-length book, Zen for Everyday Life, which is what this podcast is named after, in the book I talk about the moment right before my first son, uh, Malak, was born. At that point, I was going through a lot of stress and anxiety. I was experiencing a lot of stress and anxiety. And uh, a large portion of that was due to a lack of money or due to the stress and anxiety that was originating from uh, my lack of, or at least worrying about how I was going to support him in the future. So this is something that I've experienced very, very significantly firsthand. Um, uh, that is really kind of the, the key point in my life where I felt that. And it really became a, a really paralyzing force. Like I said, a really paralyzing force in my life. It has the ability to just kill all motivation, to just kill all creativity. And so everything that you need to to get up and to, to get to work and to, you know, to get things done, right? If you're in a situation like that, you want to be able to get up and you usually need to be able to get up and really get things done. It kills all of those, 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 uh, you know, those energies within you. And so uh, it's not just dealing with that situation. It's also that that very, the, the stress and anxiety that comes from it keeps you from getting out of it in the first place as well. And I'm not necessarily encouraging that saying that the only way to deal with this is to get out of it, but I am saying that, you know, any normal person would make an effort to get out of it or at least help the situation. And being in that really does not help the situation of you being motivated and creative and creative enough to get out of it. So how exactly does mindfulness help us here? Well, clearly mindfulness does not help us win the lottery. Okay, so I'm the first one to just put that out there just in case you had a misunderstanding, just letting you know. (laughs) Jokes aside, what mindfulness really allows us to do, and and I need to break something down. When I'm talking about money issues, really it it comes down to to two things. This is really what I've identified from from going through these experiences myself before in the past. Uh, When we're talking about lack in a general sense. And it also applies to the situation of money. If we're talking about lack in a general sense, then we're either talking about, you're either dealing with fear. And when I say fear, it's a fear of what may happen. So the money example, the money is just the perfect example. That's why I want to, I want to come back to some examples aren't so, uh, so easily to explain, so easy to explain, but money is a great example. When you talk, thinking about money issues, and you're talking about the fear aspect of it. It's the fear of what may happen if you're not able to make that bill or the fear of what may happen if you just never get to a point where you can afford that, that thing that you want. If you imagine having this great house and, 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 and purchasing, this, purchasing this great house for your family or something like that, or being able to retire one of your parents or both of your parents or something like that, that could also create that same sort of feeling. Um, for the most part, it's usually the fear of what will happen when you can't afford a particular bill. You know, what's going to happen if I can't, you know, ultimately the general idea of it is if you can't bring, put food on the table, that sort of thing, right? there's different ways that this manifests uh, with the issue of money specifically and even greater, the even greater, uh, a topic of lack, but it's generally a fear of what may happen. You're fearful of the future. Okay. So this causes anxiety. I want to make sure to also explain clearly what happens within us. So this situation causes anxiety. The opposite end of things is aversion. And this is essentially a resistance to what is. 
So you're going through this situation. You have this feeling of lack. You're lacking, in this case, in the money example, you're lacking money. There's certain things that you would like to have that you can't afford to have. And so you've taken this aversion, this resistance to the situation. You end up hating the situation. You end up hating the position that you're in. So instead of uh, accepting the situation that you're in and saying, you know what, this is just how it is. I'm going to accept it fully and just enjoy my life as it is and be appreciative for what it, what it is that I do have. You take a very averse and resistance approach to the situation. You end up, a lot of times in that situation, you can end up almost or very much hating your life as it is and just doing everything you can to get out of it. Okay. Now this situation causes stress. Because whenever there's that, that purposeful resistance, whenever you're pushing and pulling, it's stress. Okay, and whenever it's fear-based, it's anxiety. So those are really the two perspectives that we're talking about uh, when we're talking about lack. In this case, financial issues, a lack of money. Both are a form of resistance, the latter more, more so. Aversion being, being the latter. Okay, now how does mindfulness allow us to deal with these issues? Okay, so we broke in on the, the specific issue within lack, specifically financial issues, the lack of, of money, and the inability to, to support, uh, to get by financially. Well, really mindfulness, first it allows us to stop and to go home to ourselves in the present moment. No matter what's going on within or around us, we accept this moment fully. And the reason why that's important, in the case of fear, we are focusing on what might happen, not what is. In the case of aversion, the resistance, we are not fully accepting and not fully opening our eyes to the completeness of our reality. And so in both cases, we are not looking at reality in its purest state, in its actual state. We're looking at reality as in the way that I like to explain it sometimes with, with, you know, colored blinders over our eyes and fear and aversion being two to just two different kinds, but it's the same thing. We're not looking at reality as it is. What happens that part of the reason why we can find a lot of relief whenever we're going through these experiences and we stop to practice mindfulness, it's not just because when we, when we, when we practice mindfulness, we stop and go home to ourselves in the present moment. That's such a big part of it. They're just stopping, stopping the mental activity, or at least just calming it down and bringing it to a manageable level. But it's also because we're accepting our life in that moment fully as it is. Whatever it is, in the case of fear, we find solace because what may happen has not happened. It may never happen. What is right now is so much better than what we've been imagining. In the case of aversion, the resistance to what is hating the situation, there's a sort of peculiar thing that happens whenever we accept this moment fully and we, be, we begin to see more clearly. When we, we see more clearly, we begin to notice certain things that we didn't notice before. In this case, I'm talking specifically about things that we have to be appreciative of, appreciative for. We are so programmed in that aversion, that resistance state of mind, we're so pushing, we're pushing and pulling. Uh, in this case, we're pushing away from our life as it is and pulling for something else that we're in such a state of mind of lack, where we're just always focused on that, that we are the literal opposite of a state of gratitude and appreciation. And that state of gratitude and appreciation is really a big key in, in overcoming this state of, this, this mentally, this state of lack. So of course, like I, I made sure to make clear at the beginning, 
you know, mindfulness isn't going to, to necessarily help us make more money. And, and I don't want you to put any focus on that. That's not what's, what's important. But what, what mindfulness will allow us to do, and this is really the important point, is it will bring us clarity. And then from that clarity, we see reality as it is in its true state. And then from there, that state of mind of lack, which imagine that being far off to the left, then comes and meets in the middle with this other state, which is gratitude and appreciation. And they both come to the middle. They both just come together. Because that's the reality. The reality is that state of lack of money, yeah, that does exist. It's not that it, it doesn't exist. It's not that it's not there. You know that it's there. It doesn't disappear. But whenever that, whenever you come back in contact with that gratitude and appreciation for what you do have, sure, that lack is still there and you maybe still feel that. But not only does that feeling of lack particularly financial lack, really start to dissipate, but a lot of times it altogether disappears. And the reason for that is because of the incredible power of gratitude and a, and a, and a state of, of mind of, of appreciation. It's so powerful. It's absolutely one of the most powerful states of mind that exists. Absolutely. Gratitude and appreciation. And mindfulness really is, it can, and it can, it can absolutely, you can cultivate it outside of mindfulness practice, but really if you want a consistent and sort of ever-flowing spring of gratitude and appreciation within your life, then a regular mindfulness practice really is the, the only real dependable way to do that outside of sort of like hokey daily exercises, which sort of uh, reduce in effectiveness over time, uh, at least based on the studies that I've seen. Mindfulness really allows you to unlock that part, to, to not unlock, but it, it br again brings you, brings you to a state of clarity where you experience life in its, where you experience reality in its true state. And that brings you back in contact with that state of gratitude and appreciation. So instead of having those blinders on your eyes and only being able to see the lack, you now also see all the things that you have to be appreciative for. And there's so many simple things that are so astoundingly beautiful, that are just so amazing. Something as simple as looking outside. This morning I was looking outside and it was, it was raining this morning. And I don't know what it is. I just, I love the cold weather and the rain and the, uh, you know, the mist in the air and just that crisp, cool, uh, breeze. I just, I love that. And it, it was like that outside. And I just took a moment to look outside and just appreciate the morning and just, just how it was outside and just something as simple as essentially just, it's just the weather or just outside nature, or whatever it was that you, that you want to call it. I was just appreciating that just for a moment. And that was just as significant to me as anything else in my life. And you can do the very same thing. It doesn't matter what your weather is. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be the weather. There's so many different things, little, tiny, seemingly tiny, seemingly, I want to, I want to make sure to emphasize seemingly insignificant things that you realize from a regular, from a daily mindfulness practice are actually so significant. And they really, again, take you out of that state of mind of lack. Now you may still have that situation where you're having difficulty. And this is the second point I want to mention where you're having difficulty paying those bills or making this goal happen, or whatever it is. But while mindfulness won't help you win the lottery, it will help take away the stress and the anxiety that, and those inhibiting factors that take your motivation and your creativity away. It will bring you to a place where your motivation will come back as strong as ever and you will 
invigorate, reinvigorate your creativity. And I've experienced this firsthand. So lack, specifically as we were focusing on financial issues, but this really has to do with everything else. Just money is usually the, the issue when we talk about a lack of that we that we think of in our lives. So absolutely huge, huge, huge topic in our lives. And mindfulness concretely gives us the ability and not again, not just simply stopping going home to ourselves, but also seeing clearly seeing reality as it is coming back into that state of gratitude and appreciation. So number two, relationships. This is another really, really big one. Relationship challenges of all sorts. In relationships, when problems arise, there's generally one of two things. There's generally either a lack of compassion or understanding or the existence of ignorance. Okay, and I want to make sure to explain this in in a sequence. And this is really the key about this point. Mindfulness is the basis for clarity. And we touched on that in subpoint number one. So I don't need to go in, into that in detail. Moving on from that, seeing clearly is the basis for understanding. How do you understand something? Well, you, you see it clearly, you learn about it. You are exposed to something, you see it. You see something absolutely clearly, crystal clearly. You are able to understand it fully and deeply. And understanding is the basis for compassion and love. Mindfulness, being the basis for clarity and deep seeing, can also clear away our ignorance if acted upon. Of course, there's a situation where if somebody is in a state of mind of ignorance, they can just choose not to do anything about it, and they don't know any better. And so there are those situations where you're in uh, uh, in a relationship or, or you have some sort of some, so again, not just intimate, but some sort of relationship with someone where they just, they choose not to do anything about their situation. And of course, I've said this before, you just, you can't change someone that doesn't want to change themselves. It's the reality of it. Um, maybe sometimes something will happen, sort of spark something in them, but you just really can't bang your head against the wall, uh, uh, so to speak about that. But if acted upon mindfulness, uh, being the basis, again, for clarity and for really seeing deeply into our lives and gaining those key insights does have the ability to clear away that ignorance. Um, of course, as it being as, as part of the basis for understanding, uh, which would be the opposite of ignorance. So really mindfulness, it helps us see ourselves the way that others see us. That's really, really what what I'm talking about here with regards to relationships. That's such a big issue, isn't it? Whenever we get into a relationship, whenever we get into a fight with someone in any sort of relationship, uh, a lot of times both people are at fault to some degree. Isn't that true? A lot of times what happens is is it's sort of like the he started it, she started it sort of sort of issue. Uh, we usually can't put our pride aside or, or whatever it is. We get worked up and we get dragged into it. No matter who started it, we both jump in and then it ends up being that both people did something, right? Well, mindfulness helps us see ourselves the way that others see us, which is to say, essentially, we, we can see ourselves with greater clarity. Others can see us with much greater clarity because they don't have all of those filters on. They have on them on themselves, Okay, they can't see themselves as clearly as they can see us, but they don't have those filters uh, on themselves for us. That's not possible. They can see us much more clearly. Now, they can only see us from the outside, but they can still see us from the outside very clearly. They have their own biases and various different things, but they have much fewer filters and things in the way. So they can see us much more clearly than we can see ourselves. But with mindfulness practice, we can gain a very deep level of clarity. And so uh, the example that's that's used time and time again, that's, that's such a great example, is the, the lake, which has ripples running through it. You can't see clearly down a lake with ripples running through it. Those ripples distort the image of 
the pond. But when those ripples subside, you can see it presuming that the water is clear, you can see straight down to the bottom, or at least very deep down into the lake. And so it's that idea when we gain clarity, we can see more of what we couldn't before. We can see more clearly. We can see more completely. And so we can see ourselves the way that others see us. And what, so what happens when, when, what occurs when the ha- when it happens? When we see ourselves the way that others see us, we begin to see that, wow, excuse the language, but you know, I was kind of an a-hole right there. You know, that was, <laughs> that was, I, I really was, that was kind of uncalled for. I shouldn't have snapped like that. And what I find, uh, I found in my own practice is a lot of times, you know, for a long time, we still do it. But then we catch ourselves afterwards. We catch ourselves afterwards and we say, you know what, that really was uncalled for. A lot of times, very quickly, you can start catching yourself really a short period after. I mean, you know, a couple seconds to a minute afterwards, you're sort of like, you know what, I I just, I've fallen into this trap. I notice it. And you can, if you're in the middle of a fight with somebody, you can stop and you can say, you know what, even if they're still making you angry, right? Even if they did something that, that really made you mad, you can still stop and say, hey, you know what? what I did was wrong. And I'm sorry for doing that. Um, I just want us to come to a resolution. And I don't want us to fight And what I did was wrong. And I'm sorry about that. You don't have to say anything about what they did. They might again, still be making very angry. Okay. But if you come out like that, not only have you come out because your practice has allowed you to begin to see with greater clarity, so you're reaching your arm out to heal what you're seeing as this damaging argument. But what you'll find is by doing that, more often than not, the person will then be willing to apologize for their side of things as well. It's really a sort of a magical thing that, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm tricking my wife whenever I do this, uh, but <laughs> it's completely wholesome uh, and you just completely open up and you say, you know what, I, and you literally just say, sorry, you're in the middle of a conversation. You say, you know, what? I, I just, I caught myself. I did this again. Uh, I'm so sorry about this. I, I apologize. I shouldn't have done that to you. And then they just, it's just this natural thing, just that, that, that complete openness and admission. And the other person wants to do the same thing. And immediately the spirit of the conversation completely shifts. It completely shifts to one of understanding, compassion, and love. So again, mindfulness being that basis for clarity. So, uh, and I'll talk a little bit later about uh, when we go into the guided meditation, everyday practices, and a little bit more of what that looks like. And we're going to get into a little bit more of what this looks like on a day-to-day basis in some of of the uh, coming episodes as well. Uh, But mindfulness is the basis for clarity, we're practicing our, our, we're following our practice on a day-to-day basis and just making our best effort. And that clarity comes to us on a gradual basis. And we start to understand more and that compassion, that love begins to, or rather the floodgates for that compassion and love begin to just start creaking open just little by little. And then more and more of that compassion and love can flood in. And so it's a gradual process. Like I said, when you start, you're not going to notice it beforehand, you're not going to notice it as you're doing it, you're going to notice it later on. uh, And as you work on it, you'll get better, and better and better. Now, point number three, is a lack of self worth. And this is another huge one. This is one that I went into pretty extensively in uh, journey to the present moment, my online course, and I've also talked about in a couple of different uh, posts uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember where I talked about specifically the inter- internal dialogue is what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, I'll look through the archive and, and I'll try to uh, remember which ones those are and put them in the show notes. But really when I'm talking about our lack of self-worth, this generally originates from two places. Okay. First, the internal dialogue. And the internal dialogue is... It is, it's the conversation. It's the conversation that cycles through our minds on repeat. And we talked about this a little bit a couple episodes ago. It it really helps us 
uh, not so much helps us a lot of times, but it, it helps us uh, form our beliefs about ourselves and the world around us. That's really what the internal dialogue does. And number two, the second place, is the sense of a separate self. So our lack of self-worth generally originates from this sense of a separate self. And I'll go into more detail about that in a moment. But with regards to the internal dialogue, the internal dialogue, so it's that conversation. Okay, so it's on repeat, and I, I talked about a record player, an old record player, a couple couple episodes ago, and about how if you don't stop it, it just keeps repeating. And it's that same sort of idea. Now, a lot of times this internal dialogue is not, they're not the greatest things that we're saying about ourselves. Usually it's about ourselves, uh, but there's also things that we say about the world, different sort of beliefs that begin to form. And as things are repeated, uh, they form into newer and bigger and more dangerous things. They don't just stay there. That record doesn't just stay there. That record grows larger and more powerful. And often in the case of, as is most often the case, more dangerous because it's something like you're not good enough or you deserved that bad thing that happened to you in the past or something like that, something damaging, something harmful like that. Most often than not, that is what the internal dialogue is. And I'm going to go through each of these individually. With regards to the internal dialogue, mindfulness, going back to clarity. When we're talking about mindfulness's ability to gain us clarity. Now, initially, we won't notice this internal dialogue. This is at a usually a little bit of a later stage. When you begin practicing, uh, usually we begin, most of us begin sitting in meditation and then we expand into our daily life, we will notice that we become interrupted, but we won't know exactly what it is. And then after a while, we begin to actually pinpoint and identify exactly what it was that interrupted us. It's an emotion, it's a thought, it's a sensation, whatever it is, some sort of feeling. Uh, and then we notice it's fear. We actually can identify fear, right? You get more specific. And then after a while, you can identify fear. So let's say we're going back to that 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 lack, fear of financial issues or relationship, fear of losing my significant other, uh, or fear of my relationship with my son or daughter or friend or mother or father being damaged, whatever it is, we actually pinpoint that exact fear. We begin to see clearly and clearly as we practice, just our vision uh, becomes clear as we go. And so after a while, this internal dialogue, as we gain greater clarity, will begin to rise to the surface. Every once in a while, will begin to, usually the way that it, that it occurs, is you begin to feel certain uncomfortable feelings whenever you're sitting in meditation or just as you go about your day, daily life. You'll notice that all of a sudden that you just, you don't feel good. Something happens, something and usually you begin to notice this feeling before you can identify what it is. And you just notice that you don't feel good for some reason. Out of nowhere, it just it just sort of happens. Boom, I don't feel good. What, what the heck just happened? I really don't feel good right now, and I don't know where it came from. And a lot of times this occurs from that internal dialogue, and this dialogue that just goes on repeat, and every once in a while it just sort of increases in magnitude. And when we gain enough clarity... After a while, whenever that happens, we can actually notice it arise. And with enough clarity, we can actually, in a, in a very real way, bring it to the surface so that we can then shine a light on it. And now, depending on what it is, it might be something that we have to work through. But quite often, nothing special is necessary to heal that so-called wound simply uncovering this dialogue and bringing it to the surface is very healing in itself. There's just something special about just bringing clarity to this internal dialogue, to pieces of this internal dialogue, just opening it up so that we can see it clearly, so we can see that we have this fear of 
our mother or father being disappointed in us, that we have this fear of losing our spouse, that we have this fear of our child being disappointed in us. You know, whatever it is that we have this internal dialogue that that rolls through our minds. And a lot of times we notice that this is totally, it's just not realistic or it's just, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And sometimes it does. And sometimes it's something that, again, is that something that we have to work through. But it, I found in all cases that uncovering this dialogue is always very healing in itself. And it's always the beginning of the healing process. And so if you begin, if you continue practicing, then you continue to heal these pieces of the inner dialogue. And so that's, that's so powerful. And so we're talking about not just bringing clarity, but continuing your practice and keeping that clarity and allowing these things to just be, and just be present for them. And in a very real way, they work themselves out. And when I talk about the sense of a separate self, that goes to a much deeper level. So I'm not so much going to talk about the deepest level of this, but I'm going to talk about really sort of the, the surface level of beginning to notice this in your life. So the sense of a separate self, this is something that was originally, uh, maybe not necessarily originally proposed uh, by the Buddha, but at least as far as we know, it was. And so this is something that's existed in Buddhism for over 2,500 years this uh, false idea of a separate self. And for those that aren't familiar with it, it's not the idea that you're not this separate physical body. It's really the misunderstanding that you're this separate entity unconnected to everything else in the world, in the universe, in reality, whatever it is, however you want to refer to it as. Uh, they're all just different, different words for the same thing. Uh, and so it's this misunderstanding that we are unconnected. So the correct understanding is, uh, there's interconnectedness is one way of putting it. Uh, take down Han. I still love his, uh, term for it more than anything else, which is interbeing, which is very much referring to the very way that things are each moment. They are interbeing not just the nature as it is, but the very way that we are uh, in each moment. We are inter, interbeing. And so when I talk about a lack of self-worth, and I talk about the sense of a separate self being a great source of a lack of self-worth, I'm talking about our sense that we are supposed to, there's different ways that this can manifest, but uh one way that this can be is that we sort of feel that we're supposed to be something specific. Like we're supposed to be, uh, you know, we visualize for ourselves that we become this certain type of person. Like we want to, we want to uh, realize our full potential and we have some sort of very specific idea about what that is. And when we don't accomplish that or for however long we don't accomplish that, we always feel that lack of self-worth because we always feel like we're not good enough. Like, because we aren't that thing that we believe we should be that person. We believe that we should be that we aren't good enough or that we'll never be there or that we don't deserve it or whatever it is. There's very, very various different ways that we can experience that. But it's that sense that we are this, separate, unconnected identity that's just totally unconnected to the rest of the world. And there, but the reality is that we are infinitely connected with everything around us in so many ways that it's, it's practically unimaginable. And also in other very deep ways that aren't necessarily numerous, but just so significant that it, go, it comes down to the very basis of what we think that we are. And so again, I'm not going to go into too much detail on this last point. Just understand that with practice, you can begin to sort of release the, the concrete idea that you are only the separate physical self and begin to experience in a very real way. You can actually experience through your practice this interbeing nature. 
you can begin to actually experience this interconnectedness. You can see directly how you're interconnected with everything else around you. And so this sense of you being this separate self, unconnected with the rest of the world, begins to fade. And it begins to become replaced with this understanding that you're interconnected. And when that happens, magically this lack of self-worth begins to start to diminish. And they really go, you, you notice after a while that they coincide. And I grew up myself for a long time with a real lack of self-worth for quite a while. And I brought it all the way into adulthood. And it really wasn't until I began practicing meditation that I began seeing a significant shift in that. And it wasn't in, you know, gaining confidence. And those things can help, but it wasn't in all those various different things of gaining confidence and increasing uh, our self-esteem, my self-esteem. It was really in just sort of removing that false idea or more correctly, gaining a more correct understanding. And then that idea that I had to have this sort of certain idea of self-worth began to disappear itself. And so again, it, this, this point is a little bit difficult to explain, but with practice, it can very concretely be experienced. And so again, internal dialogue in the sense of a separate self, both tie in with creating this lack of self-worth and this lack of self-worth affects everything that we do. It affects our relationships. It affects our careers. So it affects points in the one and, and, and two, and it affects everything else. Everything, almost everything we do in every moment, it affects us. And so it's such a big point. Uh, absolutely. These points are huge. Uh, not necessarily the only big points, but they're really the big three that I wanted to touch on that, that encompass such a large portion of our lives, such a big part of each one of our lives that I just thought it was so important to, to, uh, to go over. And so, like I said, we're going to cover a guided meditation that goes right alongside, uh, the topic of, of practicing mindfulness or how mindfulness can allow us to can work through to overcome our daily challenges. And so I call it, uh, I've started calling it mindful wisdom. And it's actually, it's a practice that I talked about recently on the blog that was all about finding your, or unlocking your intuitive wisdom. And when I say intuitive wisdom, I mean that deep down, we know what the right thing to do is. Or in a lot of cases, this doesn't always happen, but in in many moments, we know what the right thing to do is, but we just don't necessarily do it. But when we can bring the energy of mindfulness into our lives, on a moment-to-moment basis, we can shed a light on our actions, see why we did one thing versus another, and we can begin to... Uh, and this is all about baby steps. This is all about instead of looking at your entire life and, and, and imagining this big change, which is just a lot, a lot of times just too difficult to do. It's about taking one individual moment and just saying, in this one moment, just put all of your energy and all of your focus in this one moment. What is it that I, I really should do? What's the action that I should take? What should I be doing? You know, I'm, I could do this and I feel like I'm about to do this, but what really should I do? And just put all of your energy and all of, Uh, all of your being into doing that and just just really reading that intuitive wisdom that's already inside of you and and, and acting upon that. To begin, now you could be in any situation. You could be walking down the street. You could be talking to to a friend or your significant other. You could be at work. You could be getting ready to make a phone call. You could be at home. You could be doing literally anything. And you can use this very simple meditation. So whenever a moment comes up in which you feel it's important to take a particular action, or just in a general sense, that you want to begin just working on a moment-to-moment basis on your life, or like you feel you're about to do something, 
that you really shouldn't do or like you really ought not to do or like you really don't just don't don't want to do maybe again maybe it's a bad habit i want you to first stop okay take a moment to stop go home to yourself in this moment that's the first thing i want you to do first most important thing to do in this moment is just to stop no matter what you are doing i want you to stop in this moment that action that you take is the most important thing so stop go home to yourself turn your attention to your breathing even if it's just a couple of breaths 3 4 5 breaths that can often be just enough to make you present in this moment so you're stopping you're becoming mindful you're bringing your entire being into this moment everything stops you are in this moment you are nowhere else and in this moment and the way that i explained it on the blog the way that you can do it and you can choose to do this either way I asked everyone to imagine someone that they they look up to, someone particularly that they respect. So remember, we're talking about this virtuous activity, doing what we believe is the right thing. The example I used was the Buddha, so it's the example that we'll continue on with here. In that moment, you can ask yourself, and this sort of helps unlock your own intuitive wisdom. You're not doing what they would do, but you're Of course you don't know what they would do and that's the whole point. You're simply asking yourself what they would do and in reality this is you deciding what you would do because it's your own intuitive wisdom. So what you're going to do is you're going to ask yourself what would the Buddha do? What would he do in this situation? And a lot of times it's very startling. It's almost off-putting. You imagine this incredible individual like like what would they do in this situation? Like I can't even begin to imagine. But immediately when you ask that question you'll notice that your state of mind completely shifts and a clear answer does become available if you do just a little bit of searching a lot of times it will come right up to you sometimes it will take a few seconds but if you sit on it for a few seconds you'll see that answer come out to you very clearly or at least an answer that's much better from the original ones that you were sort of swirling around with or at least the confusion that you had as to whether or not this was the right right action to take becomes much more clear so again anyone that you respect but the example we're just rolling with here is the buddha so what would the buddha do what would he do in this situation i'm arguing with my spouse and i just i don't know if i can take it anymore this just there's been so many arguments I don't know if I can keep going in this. What would the Buddha do? Bam. Perspective shift. Complete shift in the way of thinking. Imagine in that moment what he would do. What he would he do in this situation? And the idea isn't so much that you again like like I said that you would know exactly what they would do. And I would almost so much say that you wouldn't even really want to know that so much uh you would but the point i'm trying to make is the most important thing is that you unlock your own intuitive wisdom and that builds a sort of real confidence within you it lets you know that if you take the right state of mind that you can that you really have the answer is within you a lot of times that you really have this sort of base of wisdom within you in zen practice it's about it's it's sort of unlocking what's already there and another way to put it perhaps a more correct way to put it is it's about seeing what was always there and sort of a deeper level of clarity and this is what we're talking about when we talk about unlocking that intuitive wisdom It's something that was always there you just didn't know how to call upon it so again stop go home to yourself breathe mindfully even if it's just a couple of breaths you can do this entire entire meditation in less than a minute in 30 seconds even stop go home to yourself 
breathe mindfully and just ask yourself, what would this person do? What would this person that I so highly respect, that I believe is the example of virtue in this life, what would they do? And that answer is what you would do, because you don't know what they would do. That's the answer to what you know is the right thing to do. And that will help you in each and every one of these, these three areas that we talked about. This will help you begin to unlock that intuitive wisdom, that true confidence within you to navigate these various different challenges. So I hope you found that short guided meditation useful, as well as the three points. All right, I hope you found this episode valuable. Uh, I think uh, uh, so far, I think it's been my favorite episode uh, thus far. Uh, but I hope you found a lot of value in each one of these areas. No matter what you're going through, I know a lot of us are going through all three of them at the same time. Uh, I hope that you now know a little bit more clearly about how a regular everyday mindfulness practice can help you work through these challenges in a very specific and concrete way. And then I hope you found value in the guided meditation. And it's very applicable to what we talked about today. So I suggest that you get out there, try it out. It's again, something you can use on a moment to moment basis. And within each and every one of these three major challenges that we talked about today. So uh, if you guys enjoyed today's episode, feel free to head over to iTunes and uh, leave an honest review. Let me know either way. Uh, if you'd like to get future episodes to uh, subscribe on iTunes. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for a, another really great episode. I'll start diving a little bit more into uh, moment-to-moment everyday mindfulness practice, which is uh, some of the stuff I've been wanting to get into. So I'm excited for that. And also I want to mention one last time to uh, check out uh, audible.com, uh, specifically the, uh, the special uh, link uh, specific for the Zen for Everyday Life podcast community and the Buddhaimonia community is uh, audibletrial.com slash Zen for Everyday Life. Uh, you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Uh, and like I mentioned, they have so many of my favorite audiobooks uh, audibles where I listen to my audiobooks and I have a great love for audiobooks. So you can check them out there. A lot of my favorites, Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, uh, Being Peace by Thich Nhat Hanh and so many others. So you guys can go check them out. So uh, again, I appreciate you guys so much for listening to this episode uh, this week. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you for downloading and for subscribing and for rating and reviewing. Uh, I appreciate you very much, and I will see you next week. Thank you. Peace. Peace.